Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful for your grace. I'm so thankful that your presence is here. And I'm so thankful that you are a part of our life in ways that we know. And I also believe in ways that we won't know fully until we get to heaven. God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and minds this morning to capture what it is I'm trying to communicate. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint my thoughts and my words. And that, um, God, that each of us would hear something from you today that's personal, that's filled with you. Thank you for all that you are, that you never change. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. Alright, so today I want to talk to us about spiritual sight. So I want to start by um, reading a verse to you, 2 Corinthians 4. And I want to talk about how this, this verse talks about initially that before salvation that we were in darkness, right? So Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who's the exact likeness of God. So this is pre-salvation. We're in darkness. We can't see God's glory, who he is. And then it continues on in verse 5 with what happens with the moment of salvation. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness at creation, has made this light shine in our hearts. <laughs> so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. So we see in this this idea of darkness, and then the light of God coming on us, and then we're able to see. We can spiritually see because God is that light, and he illuminates something new and different. But we're kind of spiritually colorblind. So I want to talk about what that means. So to help you understand this concept, we're going to talk about actual physical colorblindness to understand what it is. So there are some causes of this, genetics, physical or chemical damage to the eyes, damage to the vision centers of your brain, cataracts where there's cloudiness over your eyes, and age can all cause colorblindness. So for someone that has colorblindness, what does this look like? So there's one kind called duranomaly, where you don't see the brain well. So on the left side, you see the cute pup running through the tulips with normal vision, and then you see what someone with not seeing green well might see it. Then there's prognophila, which you don't see red well. Look at how different that is. Isn't that crazy? Right? And then there's another one called trichnophila, where you don't see blue well. So that might, right? that might be what you see. Well, there's also an island in Micronesia. There's a map for you. It's kind of north and northeast of Australia. It's called the Federation of Micronesia. And there's an island there.
And they have a much higher percentage, way beyond the normal percentage of people who are colorblind. And they actually have something called acromatopsia, which is where you see almost no, no color at all or absolutely no color at all. Your vision is black and white. And so there was a Belgian photographer, Sandal Wild, who spoke with them and through this really interesting process, which I won't get into, but got kind of an idea of what they might see. So this is someone who is almost seeing no color at all, except there's that pink. Isn't that crazy? It's really beautiful. If you look it up online, there's some very cool pictures of this. So that is one from the island that might be has, has some color vision. So, if that's physical colorblindness, I want to talk about what spiritual colorblindness might be. Because, right, we, we talked about how God has given us sight. So, what might spiritual colorblindness look like? Well, what do we see with spiritual colorblindness? If I, you know, gave you these examples of what the natural looks like, what does the spiritual look like? We see that God sees this. What we might see is, when we look around at the world, or even ourselves, is hopelessness, the depravity of the world, and that things don't change. So that can be an idea of what spiritual colorblindness might work, or how, how it might make us feel, because we're not seeing the full color that God sees. Well, let's talk about what God sees. Because this matters, right? Because if we want to see what God sees, what he sees is important. So first of all, he sees everything. <laughs> Job 28, 24 says, For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And then Hebrews 4, 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. God sees everything. What else does he see? He sees our hearts. First Samuel 16, 7, God says, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. What about your thoughts and desires? For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. First Chronicles 28.9. Now let me say that this verse is for you, right? That God sees your thoughts and your desires. But that also means, and he sees your heart, but that also means that for those who are not following him, he sees their heart and he sees their hearts and desires as well. Alright, so what else does God see? A hope for you and your future. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, for welfare and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then what about John 10, 10? This is Jesus speaking. The thief, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what God sees from you, is a life that is full. Not just a life, 
<laughs> a full life. What else does God see? He sees a work in progress. Thank you, Jesus. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is not finished with you yet. Thank God he's not finished. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't forgotten you. He is not finished. God also sees a redeemable world. Right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God looks down on the world and sees it as a world that is capable of redemption through him, through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what God sees. God sees what we can't see. Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, some people have had envisions of different things, kind of like the veil lifted up and seen the heavenly or spiritual realm. It does happen. But for most people, it doesn't. But God sees it because he created it. He is part of it. He knows it. He understands it. And so even if we can't see it, God does. God also sees the eternal. Revelation 1.8 I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. This is what matters. God's perspective of the eternal. It's so easy in life to look at the natural, the temporary, and for it to feel very heavy. Or even for it to feel like it's in our way. If this thing would just move, then my life would be so different. But in these thoughts, we are colorblind. We don't see what God sees. We don't see the eternal. We don't see his purpose laid out from beginning to end for our lives like he does. And so this is what I want to talk with you about today, is stepping from the idea that we are stuck here to the idea that we have opportunities and times and places to receive from God His sight, His idea, His vision, His purpose for what is going on in this natural world that, is, that we see all the time. But there, there is another level, or two, or three, or forty, or four thousand endless in the God creator of the universe. There are other levels that he sees and understands. So I want to talk about how do we diagnose our spiritual color blindness, or what are the symptoms of it. Now I'm not saying that 
created you to be here. And so I'm not saying that this is some attainment of, you know, what other religions would believe, like this other level of higher understanding or knowledge. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that when we have these symptoms of not understanding or seeing what God is up to and how they affect us, that we can go to Him and ask for His what He sees. Help me to see with this thing in my life what it is that you're doing. And then also with these symptoms, we can ask for help to relieve them. And so that we can access the peace and joy and grace and mercy that God's promises. So does that make sense? Okay. So diagnosing spiritual colorblindness for the symptoms of it. Um, so here's a diagnosis. And they take this test when they go see the eye doctor, right? can't see the two in there, you need to go see your eye doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alright, so symptoms. You regularly struggle with the same sin. There are other reasons why we might struggle with sin, but this could be a possibility, right? Because you're not understanding from a spiritual sight how the sin is damaging you. How it's separating you from God and how it is damaging others. Because a lot of times people say, yeah, I do that, but it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's a lie. Our sin always eventually will hurt someone else. But we're so wrapped up in it with pride and with selfishness that we can't see that. And so if you cannot get beyond that sin, you're not seeing the eternal that God's seeing. You're not seeing His path for you laid out and how your sin is preventing you from going further down that path. You are constantly discouraged by what you see around you. You look at the, what's happening in our city, different things that you see on the street, and all you feel is weight. All you feel is that there it is again. You are constantly frustrated by things you can't change. Frustration that is keeping your internal engines running, right? Your emotions are high. Alright, what about being constantly overwhelmed? It's difficult to be thankful, right? When we get this world heavy on our shoulders, it's very hard to be thankful sometimes. You are carrying bitterness or unforgiveness. Again, if you're carrying bitterness and unforgiveness, you are not seeing from a spiritual standpoint what it's doing to you. Because I'll tell you what, you can be super mad, super upset about something someone else did to you and live your life for months, years on end, and that person may not even know that you're feeling that way. They might not even know that they did anything. It's not hurting them any. It's you're carrying weight you shouldn't be carrying. So if you are having bitterness or unforgiveness that doesn't let go, 
might be because you need to see what God sees about that circumstance. One of the other symptoms can be a lack of vision and purpose. Back and forth, round and round. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? Should I do that? You don't keep your eyes on Jesus. What do we see in the story with the disciples being in the boat and Jesus walks across the water to them and Peter says, if you tell me, I'll get out. I'm ready to do whatever you say. And Jesus says, sure, come on out. And Jesus walks towards Jesus, looking him in the eye and seeing his grace. And then his gaze drops and he realizes, I'm in a storm, in a sea. And I can drown. And he starts to sink and Jesus rescues him. But why does he sink? Because he takes his eyes off Jesus. He stops looking for what God would say to him. And he starts looking at all the difficulties around him. And he starts to sink. So let me say this, that some of these things aren't, that, aren't all that bad, right? I'm not talking about rose-colored glasses where we pretend like everything's fine. It's all good. The fact that my neighborhood is theft is on the rise is fine. It's fine. Right? It's not pretending that things aren't happening. It's asking God to see beyond it. Because we want to see what's happening so that we can pray. So that we can do creative things that God might tell us that might help fix it. So I'm not, I'm not talking about not interacting with the world as we see it, but I'm talking about when it is overwhelming you asking God for his sight to see how it might be different. Praying into something beyond what you see. Believing for something beyond what you think is possible. So did you know that there are actually glasses now that fix color blindness? So Amazing. You can actually go on to Instagram or different places and see video of people where their family has saved up and given them glasses and they put it on for the first time, the effect that it has on them. It's amazing. And so, how do we get spiritual glasses that fix our color blindness? <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the first number one is don't look back. So don't look back to your old sin. Jesus said, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So I'm not talking about pretending like nothing in your life ever happened before, that you didn't sin or anything. What I'm talking about is if you look back and it captures you and keeps you from growing, that's wrong way of looking back. If you look back and you start to feel like, you know what, I, I kind of miss that. I miss the way that sin made me feel. I, I miss that that person that God told me to, to get away from that relationship, that I miss that. That is incorrect looking back. So this is what it might look like naturally. When we're looking back, what's going to happen? Right? 
recipient's been doing something in his art class where they have to draw with one continuous line without looking, something that they see in front of their face. And we've been talking about how entertaining it is to see what the results are. <laughs> they don't come out very well. So here's another example of what it might look like. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. <laughs> but that's the mess that we can make up our life, right? When we keep looking back to sin, when we keep getting drawn back to other things behind us. So don't look back to old life and sin. Don't focus on others. There's this big house in Portland that's kind of a, it's a mansion, and it's kind of a historical place that you can go visit, and I don't know what happened, but I was walking towards it one day, and I heard someone call my name, and I turned around, and I kept walking, smacked into a pole. <laughs> and as far as I know, there was no one there calling my name, so I don't know what I heard. But if we are focused on wrong voices, on wrong relationships, on, well, I wish it was like that person. Maybe I can be that person. Maybe if I do this, I can be them. Our focus is wrong. Our focus needs to be on Jesus so that he can show us our path, our journey, our talents, our giftings, and help us use them for a beautiful way of the kingdom. Obey. Proverbs 29, 18. This is gives me funny mental pictures. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. I just get this picture of people like, ah, I'm all over the place. Um, so obedience is really key to fixing our spiritual sight. Here's the last one. Abide with Jesus. We've been talking about this, and it keeps coming up in different conversations and different things that are happening. And so I think that the Holy Spirit is prompting us again and again and again and again. Spend time, spend time, spend time. Be with me, be with me. So again, it's that idea of being in the middle of the water and not dropping our eyes from the face of Jesus. We can only do that if we're around Him, if we're spending time with Him. All right, so... What might the benefits for us be for putting on spiritual glasses that fix our vision? Victory over that sin. That is absolutely something that will happen. Peace, joy, being able to access God's forgiveness to forgive other people, right? That's vital. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, how long you've been a Christian, how many Bible verses you can memorize. You are not going to be able to forgive someone truly without accessing God's forgiveness to give to them. It's just not going to happen. But that can be a benefit of this, is finally being able to forgive that person. Whether you have closure with them, whether they passed on and you can't have a conversation, God can help with that forgiveness. And one of the major points that I want to bring through this whole thing is that you see God working. Second Corinthians 4, 16-18 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. 
and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, sorry about that, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. some of the things we've been going through seem very contradictory to what I just read. Especially, you know, the part where it's, it won't last very long. Uh, it's been lasting years. It feels very long to me. Right? There, there are things that in our natural way of seeing things that absolutely feel that way. I understand. But let me tell you from my own personal journey over the last couple of years, my own struggles with long COVID, but more than that, watching Ben go through it. And the days where he had been in a chair, and I'm bringing him food, and I'm taking care of him and managing everything because he's literally incapable of it. And we're over a year and a half into this journey. I think that it could have easily swallowed me. I think it could have easily overwhelmed me, made me doubt if God is really in control. Right? Because we pick up everything. We move here. We leave our families and our friends. We move to this city that we love. We have a vision that God has given us for this city and for this church. And then it's like, whoa. But I will tell you, the thing that has brought me through is very much, and I have not done this perfectly, but keeping my eyes on Jesus, absolutely. But beyond that is the idea that when there is something that keeps after us, that keeps affecting us, that keeps getting in the way, But what if you get so close to God 
lost all three of her sons to murder. She's a Christ follower, and she is one of the most peace-filled, joy-filled, most absolutely wonderful people to be around. How is that possible? As a mom, I do not understand that. But as a Jesus follower, I believe it is real and that it can change our lives. She is just one example of that. And so my hope for you today is that that thing that feels like a roadblock, that thing that feels like it's in your way, that thing that feels like it was just God slamming you to the ground. What does God see? Because God cannot lie. So if he says he has a hope for your future, a plan for your future that's good, then how do you connect those two things? We connect those two things by seeing God's purpose in it. By abiding in Him that His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. By spending time in His presence until everything lets go. Until we submit, until we obey, until we can breathe and soak in who He is and that it fortifies us and gives us what we need for that day. some sort of 
spiritual, emotional, mental, physical pain, damage that we've done to ourselves or what others have done to us, the crumbling world that we see around us.
its place is your strength, your ability, your mercy, your grace. That all we would see is you. Let's get God's idea 